Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. It's easy for us to see the Augies in the world, isn't it? Maybe they're missing a leg. Maybe they're deformed in some way, shape, or form. Maybe they have a skin condition, or maybe they have something as bad as Treacher Collins syndrome or progeria. But a lot of people walk around our planet, they look great on the outside. They look beautiful, handsome, put together. And you wouldn't know that they needed compassion. You see, Augie needed compassion from his schoolmates, didn't get it initially, got some ridicule and some bullying. I was talking to a lady between our services, and she said um, that her grandson goes to an elementary school in Lompoc, and um, um, he's got white mom and black father, so they call him light chocolate at school. Some of his kids say, how come he's not dark chocolate? How come he's not white? Some kids are finding ways to bully him. And uh, she said, you know, I mentioned something to the teacher and the principal, and they've been so great to work with him and also the classmates. And then I said, well, how is he reacting to this? And grandma said, well, kind of interesting. At first he was hurt, his heart was broken. And then because of the lessons he's learned at church, he's able to say, you know what, I need to forgive them and I need to show them love. And she said, boy, your message today on compassion, there's some things in it that I'm going to remind him about. I said, I don't think he needs the lesson. He's already got it. But isn't it true? We sang it today. Everyone needs compassion. And I would venture a guess that if we had all of you up here on this platform one by one and interviewed you, we'd find that every one of you has an area in your life where there's some pain or some struggle or some heartache. When Jesus called his disciples, he said two little words that really were monumental. Follow me. Follow me. And I will make you something that you're not. I'll make you not just fishers of fish. I'll make you fishers of of men and women and boys and girls. You'll be my disciples. And a disciple is a student that relies on Jesus and his life to reproduce the ministry of Jesus on this planet. You know, we've got this incredible Savior who comes to earth. He he lives a perfect and pure life, dies on a cross, rises again from the dead, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father and sends us the Holy Spirit so we could be the tangible of Jesus. We could be the expression of Jesus. We could be Jesus with skin on it today. Now, we know Jesus is here and we sense his presence around us, his working through us throughout the week. But one thing that we know is that Jesus, we, 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 we can't physically touch him right now. But that's okay because he called us, remember we're called the body of Christ. And that's just not a beautiful metaphor. That's who we are. It's like the little girl, she, she kept getting afraid of the dark at night. She's just scared, Mommy, I want you to come in, Mommy, I want you to come in, night after night. And finally, the mom says to the little girl, Honey, Jesus is with you. Stop calling for me. And she says, Yeah, but I want Jesus with skin on him. That's you, Mommy. That's you. I want to be able to feel him and to touch him and to hear his voice. And he works in and through us. We're, we're calling today's message Call to Compassion. We've been talking about the DNA of LFC, who we are as a church. 
And we've been kind of unpacking this whole thing about love and serve and, and why we do it, that God would work through us. Compassion eludes the, the kindness and sympathy, but there's a, a something deeper, a something more profoundly powerful in the meaning of compassion. From the Latin, it means to suffer with, to suffer with somebody, to, to walk into their story, to step into their shoes, to feel what they, they, they feel. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it best. He said, we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. And so we talk about loving and serving. We talk about um, living heart first as a church, about being generous, about serving others from the heart. And we talk about this phrase a lot here. And if you're new, you'll, you'll, you'll catch on. We're connecting everything we do back to a soul. So if we have a harvest party, and it's called Family Fun Block Party, and we block the street off, we can connect that activity back to souls because we're putting smiles on people's faces. We're giving a free cotton candy and popcorn to, to people. We're selling hot dogs for a buck, but if you're active duty military, it's free. Come on. That's pretty cool. Everything else is free. And then we've got this big thing called the big game post-game party. That's where Lompo plays Cabrillo. I actually, I, Lompoc and Gabriel will be on the grass field. I don't know what they'll be doing, but they'll be there. <laughs> now, don't, don't, don't laugh about Gabriel. They're great young men led by a great coach and a coaching staff. I know them. They're great. And I also know Lompoc um, is led by a great coaching staff. And, and Lompoc's not the powerhouse they once were. So this could be a real game. There's a possibility. But well, we know what we're going to do after the game. It's not going to be about black and gold and blue and white. It's not going to be about maple school. It's not going to be about homeschooled, high school age kids that get in with their ID too. It really becomes a blurring of the colors. And it's no longer like a school spirit. It's just like a spirit of camaraderie. And everybody plays together and has a blast. They eat free pizza. They get on that Euro bungee thing. And they, it's just folks. I just love it. I just... I'm sorry, I'm excited. I can't wait. I can feel it from you, too. You can't wait. It's, you know, the party starts after the game is over, and, and it goes till midnight, and people always tell me, well, it's past my bedtime, Pastor. You know, what's past everybody's bedtime? It's midnight, for crying out loud. <laughs> Somebody said, well, nothing happens good after 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. I said, yeah, it does. Come to the party, you know. And why do we do that? Well, we do it so we can become the heart in the hands of Jesus. And see, we're not just connecting everything we do back to a soul. Watch this now. We're connecting everything the Savior wants done to us and then through us to the world. That's why we, we, we support kids around here. That's why we, we support our high schools when we can. That's why we support missions works. That's why we support uh, Bible colleges, Life Pacific and, and uh, New Hope Christian College in Eugene, Oregon. And that's why we scholarship kids. And that's why we, we, we reach out to the under-resourced. That's why we feed people. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have a great children's ministries. That's why we have great youth ministries. That's why we have a great young adult ministry on Thursday night called Collective. That's why we have life support on Wednesday nights. And the list goes on and on. Why, 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 why? Because we connect everything we do back to a soul, and we connect everything we do to Jesus. What would he want us to do, and what would he want us to be in this community? See, compassion, you can write it down if you're a note-taker, is rooted in the very nature of God himself. God is eternally compassionate. 
Now, we get moved with compassion, but he's already there. You don't need to jar him. You know, Lord, would you care a little bit more about humanity? He already does care. I love going all the way back to Exodus chapter 34, and, and Moses is, is be giving this assignment to write the Ten Commandments, and the Lord passed in front of him and said, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. The Bible is saturated with compassion. And all the people that got close to God became compassionate. And all the people that moved away from God became selfish. All the people that moved close to God became generous in heart. And those that moved away from God became stingy in their hearts. Number one, when, when, when we are compassionate, we are showing the world the Father's love. When we are being compassionate, we're showing the world the Father's love. Psalm 68, verse 5. Let's read it together with our best. When we're done, we get a parfait voice. Here we go. God in his holy dwelling is a of the fatherless and a he's a father of the fathers and a champion of the widows. Now keep that in your mind because we're going to pick it up in just a moment. Again, that same theme. Number two, when we are compassionate, we're living out the holiness of God. The holiness of God. The Old Testament says that the holiness of God was in the temple. That's where his glory was, his holiness was. And then um, when they needed like a food truck version, they had the Ark of the Covenant. They carried it out, and it was the holiness of God. Well, the New Testament tells us that if the Holy Spirit lives in us, if we are believers who believe in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection... And if we confess with our lips that he's Lord, then the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and we become containers of the holiness of God. And people begin to see the holiness as we move in compassion. James 1.27 reads this way, religion that God accepts is pure and without fault. It is caring for the orphans, the widows who need help, and it's keeping yourself free from the world's evil influence. Now, many of you know in Bible times, ladies, women, only were able to get what they needed, their food and their, and, and their, and their sustaining abilities, if they were connected to a guy. So if they were on their own or by themselves or they became a widow, they were cut off from getting food. They were cut off from getting support. There was no social services. There was no social security. Their security was in their guy. Now, thank God we've come a long way. Ladies, we still have a long way to go. Yeah, one gal. Anyway, <laughs> we still have a long way to go in how women are treated in our world. Hello? Not just North America, in our world. In our world. But in Bible times, if you were an orphan, especially if you were an infant, orphan, you were placed on the steps. And if you were able to somehow sustain through the night, they believed that the will of God was for you to live. But if the elements or if evildoers came and did bad things to you or took you into slavery, then obviously it was the will of God that you didn't make it. So James is saying in Bible times, hey, 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 guys, pay attention, church, pay attention body of Christ, pay attention. Where there is a widow, make sure she's okay. Make sure she has what she needs. 
to sustain herself. And if there are orphans around, make sure the orphans have what they need to not be left out in the elements, but that you would open your door and you would take them in. Now, times were much different back then, but I think the heart is the same, that we would look for those with need and we would be able to meet their needs in Jesus' name. Have you ever heard the story of someone, they're, they're, they're sharing their heartache with you and, and all of a sudden something begins to kind of move inside of you? You don't really know what to do with it, but you, you feel something for them, you, you want to do something. Well, John 7.38 tells us what this is. He said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will, will, will flow from within them. Wouldn't it be bizarre if we could actually physically see this, this life-giving water coming out of our soul, that God has filled us in such a way, that God's given us his word and his spirit in such a way that, that this life-giving water is coming out. We um, had our district, Foursquare District, about 140 churches. Um, we gathered together at Santa Maria Foursquare um, this last week, Monday, Tuesday, and part of Wednesday. It was kind of cool for us. We just had to drive over the hill, go to the conference, and have to Got to sleep in our own beds. That was kind of great, you know, and I didn't need to go far. And, and I, I came across a pastor who had been an old friend of mine. I hadn't seen him in a long time. A real great leader, great, just a sharp guy, sharp thinker. And, and I kind of watched him off to himself. And uh, he didn't want to engage a whole lot, you know, when they're out having donuts and stuff. He's kind of off in the corner. And, and uh, if you know me very well, I'm a bull in a china shop. I just walk in, hey, hey, hey. So I went over to him, hey, hey, how you doing, how you doing? And he kind of just carried on. I'm, he, by the way, he's a North American. How you doing? Fine. That's what we do, right? You doing okay? Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, what's up? Hey, you doing good? Awesome. Doing good? Yeah. Hey. Text back. Beep, 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 beep. Most people are lying. Come on. Beep. You okay? Beep, beep, beep. Hi, happy face. Ooh, emoji. Yeah. And you know, inside that you're hurting. But I could tell it. I could tell he was. So I kind of leaned in and got near to where he was. And I said, how are you really doing? He said, not, not well. Things going on in his family. Things going on in his church. Things going on in his personal finances. And on the way up the 101 freeway from Los Angeles, his transmission went out. On the way to the conference, he goes, hey, I was in neutral all of a sudden. <laughs> I kept trying to find a gear and a gear shift, and finally I got something, and I grew off the side of the road, and the guy said, good news, you're safe, bad news, it's like two grand, it was great, so how are you really doing, I said, he goes, not good, not good, and I was thinking about um, the song we sang today, everyone needs compassion, I mean, he didn't need a lecture, he didn't need a quick Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good, buddy. Hey, get in, hang in there. Knuckle bump, yeah. Hey, emoji, hey, you're okay. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. I promise you'll be okay. No, he needed some prayer. He needed some encouragement. He needed some money. I gave him a little bit, not too much. I didn't give him two grand. I just, but anyway, I gave him some. Hey, let me ask you this question. I just kind of alluded to a quick story. What, what does compassion look like? What does it look like? Just think about it for a moment. Um, if you're in our small groups, that's going to be one of the questions that you're going to answer. What, what, what's it look like? Where have you seen compassion at work? Maybe in yourself or for someone else? What does compassion 
really look like? Well, I think compassion is, is really a flow-through account. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 5, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. Let me just pause there and say, if we really are the sons and daughters of God, we begin to take on the characteristics of our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your, oh, your, your, your will be done. This is your will, Father, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. And so grateful that you comfort us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we have what? We have received. Next slide. That we have received. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, we also, our comfort abounds through Christ. Now, notice that top phrase. We share in the comfort we ourselves have received from God. That's where we turn our... our our misery into a message. We turn our, our mistakes into a ministry. Just think about this for a moment. Last um, service when I was speaking, I, I looked down over here and there was a gal here who had lost her daughter. Um, her daughter was in her young 20s. And I began to think God was so good to her in the midst of watching her daughter die from a disease that he brought comfort and compassion to her. Now catch this. The same comfort she received, she's going to be able to give away to people. And I just know this to be true. This is part of life experience, that there will be people who will lose a loved one and this gal can spring into action. That's her message now in her ministry. And it won't be about walk down my memory lane, how I lost my daughter and how... No, no, no. Let me hear your story... And let me take you quickly to the comfort and the compassion that God has to bring you. He takes people who've been through horrible divorces. I don't think there's anything other than a horrible divorce. But he takes people through horrible divorces and can use them to help other people in their marriage or other people who are going through divorce themselves. He takes people who've gone through hardships or cancer survivors and this is what God does. He gives us comfort and compassion and says, hey, guess what? I'm now enabling you with that comfort and compassion to go find somebody else. Everyone needs compassion. And go, and go find them. That's what God wants us to do. Not to say, I received my comfort. I'm so glad I have. You see, love is a verb and it's just a word when it's not an action. Compassion is also a verb. And it means really nothing if all we're doing is trying to receive it and not give it away. So how does God manifest compassion? We can learn from him. We can draw cues from him. First of all, God draws close to us. This is what he does. Psalm 34, verse 18. Let's read this one. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit, like my pastor friend who was crushed in spirit. Outwardly, he didn't look like an Augie. Outwardly, he had no deformity at all. I mean, he looked really good. He's a handsome dude, by the way. Works out. He's really in shape, kind of like me. And, and he... he <laughs> Thanks for your compassion. Anyway, anyway, anyway. anyway. Boom. Uh, anyway, 
But you wouldn't have known if, if, if I didn't drill down a little bit to his story. Tell me what's really going on. God is close to the brokenhearted. He chooses to be close to those who grieve. He desires to be our rock. And we can lean on him. You've heard me talk about the ministry of presence. And you know what it is? It's presence. Just showing up. As a chaplain, I've, I've done it numerous times. You just show up someplace. What, what did you say? I don't know what to say. Now, you know I'm a big talker. You think I'd always have something to say. But sometimes when somebody's grieving, or you're dealing with somebody who, who's lost a loved one, or you're dealing with somebody, and, and this has actually happened to me in the past, where I've called by the police department or the sheriff's department to be a chaplain after there's been a homicide, and you walk into a family after they've just been notified that their loved one passed away at the violent act of someone else. And I've had people come up to me years later and say, you'll never, you'll never understand what, what you did for us that night. I'm going, I didn't do anything but show up. One time I had a little, my little chapman to go bag. I had bottles of water in it, the short ones, the cheap ones, you know, and some mint. And I brought water to the family. I said, have you guys had anything to drink in the last few hours? No, no, no. They all drank water and I gave them little mints and that was it. I prayed a little prayer with them and I left. And I run into them from time to time, they'll go, you'll never know how much that meant to I go, I didn't do anything. Oh, but I know what they're saying. The ministry of presence. Sometimes we just need to be there. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Just show up. Just show up and say, God, how could you use me to represent you in this moment? The next thing we see is that God grieves with us. God weeps with us. He's a sympathetic God. Aren't you glad about that? He's not just the God who made the universe. He's not just the God who created us, but he's sympathetic towards us. In John 11, when Jesus saw her weeping, this is the story of Lazarus, and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he asked, uh, excuse me, and he was very deeply troubled. Where have you put him? Referring to Lazarus. They told him, well, Lord, come and see. And Jesus, Jesus wept. You ever shed a tear with somebody? Ever just let yourself go for a moment? Your emotions. And the pastor friend was sharing that story with me. I, I began to well up with tears. And he looked in my eyes and we, we, we hugged each other. There was something about the, the suffer with, the compassion. And the people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him. I, I love what Romans 12 tells us. And by the way, Romans 12, you know, present yourself a living sacrifice, right? Holy, acceptable, right? Romans 12 is not for brand new Christians, it's for mature Christians. It's what we all should aspire to. And in verse 15, the Living Bible says this way, when others are happy, be happy with them. And if they are sad, come on, share their, their sorrow. But hey, when I'm happy, I don't want to be sad. And if I'm sad, I don't want to be happy. But if you're mature, you'll, you'll flip the switch. Maybe you're grieving about something and somebody comes up and says, hey, I just got a new car. Yeah, well, mine's not, my transmission blew out on the way north, you know. I got a new car. And let me come out and see it. Oh, wow, that's so great. Your maturity allows you to flip the switch. Otherwise, you, you'll, you'll always be grieving and you'll miss moments of happiness with others or you'll always be happy and you'll miss moments of sorrow with others. And then I want to just take you to Matthew 9. Some of you are saying, when are we going to get to a scripture? This is the one I'd like you to look at if you have a Bible. Matthew 9, 35 to 38. 
And Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Could you imagine seeing, seeing this, being there, watching people that were, you know, unable to speak, all of a sudden they're given voice. People that never saw colors before, blind eyes are opening and they're, they're seeing colors for the first time. He heals the lepers who had skin disease and all of a sudden their skin is fine. He raised the dead. And then it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Hmm. He suffered with them in that moment. And he saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are, are few. So get out there, he said, and go to the harvest. No, no, no. He said, stop for a moment and pray. Now, if it was me, I would have said, let's go. Everybody go. We're going to the harvest. It's ripe. And then he says, wait, wait, wait. We pause for a moment and start to pray about the harvest. Pray that... The Lord would give workers to the harvest because Jesus understood if you prayed long enough about the harvest, you'll get a heart for the harvest. He says, pray that there'll be laborers. By the way, if you pray for laborers long enough, you'll become one. Let me say it again. This is Jesus using psychology. If you pray for laborers long enough, you'll become one. You say, oh, Lord, my neighbor, Lord, my coworkers, they really need somebody to show them compassion. Oh, God, and pretty soon your heart will break for them. We used to sing that song around here, um, break my heart with what breaks yours. I didn't like that song. <laughs> you know why? Because that's a huge prayer. Lord, would you break my heart with what breaks yours for Santa Barbara County? <gasps> I mean, come on. Break my heart with what breaks yours for Vandenberg Air Force Base? <gasps> break my heart with what breaks yours for our schools? <gasps> Our city? Are you kidding me? Lord, um, could you break my heart with lip pictures for maybe like three people? Not 43,000. So I used to sing, break my heart with some of what breaks yours. Huh? That's a prayer. <laughs> Lord, do a great work in us. Change us from the inside out that we would have compassion upon people. And Jesus said, pray, and you'll become someone who goes out into the harvest. It's all around us. Now, forgive me for what sounds like another announcement. Forgive me. See, the reason we do like this post-game party, our 25th year to do it, is because we don't know anywhere else where we can create a venue where you can have interaction with one half or 50% of the high school students in our city. We create that for you. This is a setup. I'm letting you know what we're doing. We create that for you. We don't know where else we can have you encounter about three to 4,000 people that live in the city of Lompoc or that serve on the Air Force Base when we have our family block parties. Three to 4,000. Where, where else can you go and just whoop, sign up for a two-hour shift and encounter three or 4,000 people? I, I don't know where else. But right here on C Street. Now, I got to tell you that when we first started these parties and we first started taking them to the street, people say, well, pastor, it'll never go. It'll, nobody ever could. High school kids won't hang out. I mean, if you don't have, you know, like some, you know, tap beer or something, they're not coming. I said, they'll come. 
If you feed them, they will come. <laughs> and it's so amazing. So all we're doing is giving you a venue with which to be able to, to touch the hearts and the lives of other people. Because years ago, we said, hey, what would this church be like if we just took care of ourselves? What would it be like if we had the heart of God, if we had the compassion and the passion of God to try to do in a small way what he does in a big way? See, God, Jesus, serves us. That's what he does. He tells us to go into the harvest field, and then he serves, and he does ministry. He teaches people when he was here on this planet. He's taking care of their minds. He's preaching to them and challenging them. He's taking care of their will. He's feeding them. He feeds the multitudes. He heals them. He's taking care of their bodies. Jesus is a well-rounded Savior taking care of all of our needs. And he said in John 14, 12, very, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even what? Greater things, because I'm going to the Father. Does that jar you? That somehow we would do greater things than Jesus did? Wouldn't it be great to say, Lord, help us to love our neighbor as ourselves? but Lord, could we ask that you'd help us to even love our neighbor greater than you do? That's a big prayer. Help us to love that person at work. You know that person. If you go to work, you know that person. They're like the thorn in your side. They're the reason that you don't get excited about going to work. Maybe none of you have anybody like that in your life. I could send you a few places you could encounter some people like that. Or maybe there's a neighbor that just drives you nuts. They're the sandpaper to your soft, tender heart. They're the fingernails on an old chalkboard. Yeah. Anybody have anybody like that? Don't raise your hand. Especially if they're sitting next to you, you know. And number four, God sees us. He sees us. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion. It's in that seeing that there was an assessment and a discernment on what they needed. He was able to see their need, not just see their facade, not to just see, how you doing? Fine. Everything's good. Fine. No, no, he saw more. So here's a bold prayer, and we put it in your notes on purpose. We'll talk about this in your small groups if you're in one, and, and I think it's a great prayer to pray every day this week. Lord, Allow me to see what you see. Now, if, if, if you live with others, this is a great prayer for your family. Lord, allow me to see what you see in the people in my household. And open my eyes to see the needs around me, the need for compassion. Show me how I can love and serve others in your name. It's not a long prayer. If you pray it by Wednesday, you should memorize it. <laughs> Show me, Lord. Oh, I can love and serve others in your name. And you could pray it. You put it on your phone or you put it on a post-it note, whatever you need to do. And you could pray it as you are on your way to a work or on your way to a meeting or on your way to, to dinner or on your way to breakfast or meeting a friend, whatever. Lord, show me how I can love and serve others in your name. And I'll tell you, if you pray like that, that's a bold prayer that God will answer that prayer. And all of a sudden, boop, you'll be faced with needs and compassion all around you. And God is moved with compassion, number five, because of need. He's moved with compassion because of need. This is the Son of God, the King of, of heavenly glory, and yet he, he comes and he feels the inward pain 
of people who are helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Something great is going on in his life where he's able to meet needs. And it says in verse uh, uh, 36 of Matthew 9 again, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. He looked beyond the externals. And he had compassion upon them because they were harassed and helpless. He sizes up their needs like sheep without a shepherd. And then number six, God wants all his disciples involved in the harvest. All of us. That's why if you're, you have a family, I think you should serve as a family together. So therapeutic. If you have a best friend, just bring them. Say, come on, we're going to go hand out popcorn or something, or we're going to run a game. Or, yeah. Why? Because it matters. And all of us are serving together and, and doing what God's called us to do. But not just when we have big events. Every single day we can find a way to serve and to help somebody. That's why he said, ask the Lord of the harvest, verse 38, uh, 37, 38, therefore to send out workers into the harvest field. So how should we pray? We should pray as Jesus commanded us. Pray for workers. Say, Lord, I want to be a part of your harvest. That doesn't mean have parties. The harvest is bringing people one step closer to Jesus so eventually they'll believe in him. But they need to see us as his heart and his hand and his feet extended. I still remember years ago in my, my first church that I pastored in San Fernando Valley, we had an executive who worked at Lockheed Aircraft in Burbank that later became Lockheed Martin. And, and one day this, this guy came and visited our church. And he said, boy, I'm in bad shape. I've gone through hell and high water and I'm meeting him at the door, and this executive from Lockheed comes out and sees this guy, and he says, whoa, you came to church today? And he goes, Tom, is that you? Yeah. Oh. I see, Tom was a mucky muck vice president, big guy. And this other guy worked in the corporate office, but they worked together 24 years. And this guy said, I'll tell you what he said at the door, I didn't know you were a Christian, Tom. I leaned in, you didn't know? Oh, sermon material, yeah, yeah. Could you imagine working in the same office with somebody for 24 years and them not knowing that you're a Christian? Hmm. Now, everybody where I work knows I'm a Christian. <laughs> but I try to live in the community in such a way where people that don't even know who I am would somehow know that I'm a Christian. Remember that old song? I mean, you've got to be really old to remember. And they'll know we're Christians by, by our love, by our compassion. Well, I want to tell you a quick story before we uh, pray and have parfaits and go on our way and all that stuff. The pastor in Los Angeles, a great, great church, and he was meeting for dinner with a cinematographer from Hollywood, actually an award winning cinematographer. You see, this man had been bribed by his wife to come to church, and she said, um, if you come to church with me, I just have two requests, that we go to the service, and he said, okay, and that we have dinner with the pastor. Okay. That's it. And I'll never bug you again about church. Good. So, guy came to church, kind of liked it. 
lot of video, a lot of stuff happening. This guy, again, very creative, very well-known in Hollywood circles. And, but at dinner, he asked them this question. He said, would you tell me, to the pastor, would you tell me about the gospel? So the pastor said, well, the gospel's about God who loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Good so far? That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And you need to give your life over to Jesus. And he's going to say, follow me. And you'll be his disciple. And you'll walk with him. He'll forgive your sins. He'll reserve a place for you in heaven. Pretty good? Yeah. The cinematographer leaned in. I said, before you pass the shrimp, <laughs> I don't want a narcissistic gospel. Because everything you just said in your gospel is a summary of what you want Jesus to do for you. And he said, let me tell you the way I hear the story. And again, he's a cinematographer. He's been around creative movies and script writing. And he says, the way I see it is, if I give my life to Jesus... I don't want to just give my life to him because he'll reserve a place in heaven for me and he'll bless me with abundant life while I'm here on this planet. Here's what the cinematographer said. Boy, it caught my heart when I heard this story. He said, I see Jesus as heroic, leaving his throne to come to this earth, to die in my place, but to help me become the most heroic version of myself. You see, if I were to follow him, he said, I would want Jesus to make me heroic, not just comfortable. I would want Jesus to use me to share his love and grace with people who are nothing like me. I would want to become selfless, not narcissistic. And look in a little pond and say, aren't I beautiful? But when I heard that, I was challenged to the core. I thought, Lord, what do I want you to do with me? In my age, this church, and this life. What do and I said, Lord, open my eyes to see what you see. Open my heart to feel what you feel. And make me heroic too. Because I don't want to just say, God, thank you for saving me, which he does. Thank you for blessing me, which he does. Thank you for forgiving my sin, which he does and needs to quite often. Thank you for a place in heaven, which he will. But while I'm here, all the days of my life, Lord, would you help me to step up and be heroic, to reach out to people, and even to be in uncomfortable places where I don't have the words to say or I, I don't know what to feel in the moment. I don't even know how to weep with somebody. But Lord, let me be into those stories and step into those stories where somehow and some way myself and the church that I'm fortunate to pastor will be heroes for you. Not just saying, God, thank you that you gave me comfort. But going back to the words of the Apostle Paul, that that comfort would flow through us. Not that you gave me compassion, but that the compassion would flow through me in a time of need, that I could be a hero to somebody in your name, that I could make a difference in your name, that people would be different because we, we, we encountered them in the name and the heart of Jesus. Now, that's the prayer I pray for this place called LFC, 
a place where we want to love God and love people and serve God and serve people. And that's the heart that I pray for post-game party and family fun block party. Gatherings like youth group or gatherings like kids' ministries. That's, that's the heart that I pray, that people would encounter this incredible God who loves us, that we wouldn't throw stones at people that we don't understand or that we wouldn't push away people that are hard to love or that we wouldn't step into the story of someone else who's facing a battle that we know nothing about and might not even be our battle and they might not even be related to us, but we say, help us to be the heart and the hand and the voice and the feet of Jesus. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at my lfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.